This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. I'd like to get right to it this morning. I would. Because this morning, I believe I've come with a very important question, a question from God. And I must caution you before I ask you this question, and I must caution you before you answer to really think about it. Be careful how you answer this question. It will be recorded in heaven. You know, sometimes when we're in a meeting or we're in a wonderful worship spirit, we're telling the Lord, oh, my heart is all yours. I just want my cry to just be yours. I surrender all. And then he shows up on you. And they, the angels say in heaven, oh, I heard that. I, listen, there's some songs I don't sing. Really, that one song, take me out about, beyond the waves, like test my faith, do that. I'm going, because the angels are recording it in heaven, because I don't want to go back out of beyond the waves. I like it safe on the shore right now. You know what I'm saying? So very be, so be very careful how you answer. The answer to this question may be one of the most important decisions you ever make. It can, it can decide your eternal de- destiny. It will require some self-examination. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, to tells us to examine ourselves from time to time. How you answer this question will change you from the inside out. How you answer this question will determine how you think, how you speak, how you treat others, the friends you choose, how you dress, how you serve, or if you serve, how you are in school, how you live everyday life, how you do your job. This question applies to the young, the old, the believer, and the unbeliever. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It applies. The question sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? It's because it is. The question that I believe that we're all being asked here today is, do you want a good life or do you want a God life? Now, before you roll your eyes at me and say, well, Nancy, of course I know what the answer to that is. Look at how you've been living your life right now. I remember years ago, um, I like to, at night, what I call... I get in my prayer tub, which I love to take a hot bath at night, which is, I love the winter. I mean, in the summertime, I've got that air conditioning down to 50 so I can take a hot bath. But in the wintertime, I've even opened the, the window in our hotel room because I'm thinking, ooh, I love this cold weather. I just love it. I can wear boots. I can wear a jacket. And I can, we got out of the car and I said, ooh, I can smell the leaves. I just love it. But one night in my prayer tub, the Lord shows up and he says to me, Nancy, I need to ask you a question. Yes, Lord. Will you take the narrow road or will you take the broad road? Now, the broad road, the reason why it was broad, and that's how they made roads years ago, is because many people walked down them. So if crowds of people walked down a certain area, the road got broader. But the narrow road is very specific. It's a certain choice. It's choosing how you live your life for Christ, the choices you make, the friends you have. And of course, at that moment, when I'm in my prayer time, it's all, Lord, of course, I want the narrow road. I want everything that you have for me. Just show me what it is, and I'll do whatever you ask me to do. So I thought we'd already talked, God and I. So a few months later, he comes back. He goes, Nancy, I have a question for you. Yes, Lord, speak. said, 
what's your choice, the narrow road or the broad road? I said, well, Lord, I thought we'd already talked about this. And he said, so did I. But how you've been living your life is telling me the choice that you've made. So before this morning, before you make a snap judgment, really think about it. If you want a good life or a God life, and you may be thinking, you may be thinking to yourself, well, Nancy, what's the difference? We just saying God is good. Yes, he is a good God, but he's more than that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. And as I said, you may be asking yourself, what's the difference? And I say, I'm so glad that you ask. Webster defines good as satisfactory in quality, ordinary or common. Good is not bad. It's just ordinary. It's common. It's nothing special. Nothing out of the ordinary. Nothing extraordinary. Just good. That doesn't sound like the life that Jesus came to give us. It doesn't to me. Just a good life, an ordinary life, a common life. Because our God is not ordinary. Our God is not common. He is extraordinary. John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they, which is us, may have life and that we can have it more abundantly. Jesus came to this earth for many, many reasons. But one significant purpose was that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And abundant means extraordinary, extravagant, like flourish. One of the definitions for flourish is extraordinary. It's out of the ordinary. Abundant means extraordinary and extravagant. So a God life is extraordinary. It's abundant. Now, usually when we've heard that kind of teaching, there's really a glare, so I'm going to try to move back here a little bit. There we go. Usually when we think of abundance or we hear a teaching on abundance, it's usually on faith and it's usually on finances. When we think about abundance, we think about cars, houses, husbands, kids. We think about all the stuff that comes with knowing Jesus. And that's fine, and that's true. But Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So it's Jesus first, and then the stuff comes with it. That's the God life, to seek him first, and then he gives you everything that you need. All the stuff follows. But if stuff ain't following you, I wonder who you're seeking first. The abundant life Jesus came to give us is abundance of himself. Many years ago, when I would travel, and I always ask the Lord before I go someplace, I would say, Lord, what is on your heart? Like before I came here, Lord, what is on your heart for the women that will be here this morning? And even when I went to bed last night, I said, Lord, please tell me if I've come with something that is just out of my own heart, then change it right now. Lord, what is your heart for them? Because I can come with you with all the the new cliches, with all the most favorite teaching that's happening right now. I can do all that, and nobody's life will be touched or changed. But if I come in the power and the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, then lives will be changed. Lives will be touched. Nothing I say is going to change your life. It's the Spirit of Christ that will change your life. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke off of your life. It is the presence of God in Jesus. When he shows up, everything changes. One of my favorite songs is when you walk into the room. When Jesus walks into the room, ladies, everything changes. The atmosphere changes. I don't change anything. 
except at home. You know how we are, ladies. We walk into a room and everything gets quiet or everybody stands up straight. But no, but when Jesus comes in, our hearts are transformed. Our lives are changed. There's healing. There's bondages broken because he is here. He came to give us abundance of himself. But when I go someplace and I ask, I would ask the Lord, what is on your heart? And many years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said, Nancy, I want you to tell them that I love them. But that has changed. Now Jesus says to me, Nancy, I want you to remind them who I am. Because I believe in the body of Christ, especially in America right now or around the world, the places that I've gone, people need to be reminded who Christ is. Not that he just came and died on the cross, which is not a just. I shouldn't throw that in there. Because sometimes that is told us by so much, we just kind of let it play. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not in our spirits. Many times in the New Testament, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember who I am. And may I take a moment just and tell you who he is. Because many cases, you guys, in our lives, through our everyday lives, through our challenges, through our trials, jobs, or whatever, it completely, to every day, the enemy is out to wipe the memory or to wipe who God is out of your mind. So when you look in the mirror, you think, all I have is me. All I have is this bank account. All I have is, instead of all we have is Christ Jesus, which is a lot and a whole lot more. But may I take just a moment and remind us of who he is. He is creator. Our God spoke and the world came into existence. One word from God's mouth changes everything. One word, he sent his word and they were healed. One word, he is our creator. He is our savior. He is our redeemer. He is our restorer. He is a repairer. He is a deliverer. He is healer. He is protector. He is provider. He is Lord. He is our victor, which we sang about this morning. He is the lover of my soul, and he is our soon coming king. Ladies, that's who our God is. And I know that in one of those words that I, I use to describe who our God is, one of those words you need this morning. Do you need the repairer? Do you need the redeemer? Do you need the victor? Do you need the healer this morning? Do you need the prevent? protector. Do you need the provider? He is that. His name is above every name. Every name. His name is above cancer. His name is above arthritis. His name is above lack. His name is above depression. His name is above marriage problems, children problems. His name is above it all. And nothing will change that. One of the things that I like when I go out on the streets, especially down in Mardi Gras, and for the last couple of years, I've been the one that kind of takes the newbies and takes them down, and I do not know why the new people out on the street, they all want to go to the tarot card readers down in Jackson Square. And I'm thinking, okay, they're getting ready to eat your lunch because they are talking to the devil himself. So we go down there, and they'll start talking to them, and then after a while, and I can't help it, I just kind of have to interrupt, I look at them, whether they're voodoo, tarot card, or witches, or people that I've met on airplanes, but this is specifically at Mardi Gras. I will say to them, may I ask you a question? And they'll say yes. I say, why did you choose the lesser power? And they look at me like, what? I said, yeah, let me just tell you what. My God created your God. My God kicked your God out of heaven. 
My God sits on the throne of heaven and earth. Your God has to come and ask my God for permission to do anything. So why did you choose the lesser power? So ladies, every day in your life, do not choose the lesser power. Do not listen to the lies of the enemy. Remind him who Jesus Christ is. And if you need to know, if you need to be reminded, then get in this word and it will tell you every day who Jesus Christ is. He is Lord. He is on the throne. He is Jesus Christ, girls, and he's all that and more. He just really is because, well, let me, not even, let me, let me stick to the story here. <laughs> and girls, when Jesus steps into our lives, all that he is comes with him. Everything that you need, everything you want. You know, he's, he can't give up on you. Sometimes when we sing that song, I just think, you're never going to give. You're never going to give up on me. I just think, really? He's not. He's never. It's not even his mind. He can't do it. You're his child. He is committed to you. Once we have been forgiven, we are meant to live in the fullness of the life that Jesus came to give us. And that, gals, is a God life. Good is natural. God is supernatural. Jesus was constantly trying to get his disciples out of the natural into the supernatural. How many times did he come, did the disciples run up to him and say, hey, let's eat, let's do lunch. They were all like in this nature. Who, when are you going to bring the kingdom down? Who, who's going to sit next to you? Where am I going to be? You know, they were all, it was all position, p- provision. They want to know it all. And Jesus kept trying to get them. Hey, it's not about this earthly thing. It's all about a supernatural thing. Good is not abundant. God is exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. More than the cars. More than the houses. More than the clothes. More than the jewelry. More than the the natural things. He's so much more. And that's a popular word right now, more. That he is more. It's almost like we've gotten to a stopping place and everybody's bored with who he is. I'm thinking, wow, we haven't even delved a little bit into who Christ is. And the abundance of, of, that he comes to give us of himself. Good limits us to what we can see, taste, or feel. And all those are natural, especially feelings. We are to live by faith, girls, and not by feelings. I don't know about you, but my feelings lie to me all the time. And most of the time, I just kind of let them. It's, it's the way that it is. Well, I don't feel like that today. Oh, wait, okay, so, okay, good day, God is on the throne. Oh, I don't feel so good today, God is off the throne. No, it never changes. His position never changes. The only person that changes God's position is you. The only person that changes his position is me. The word tells us that he sits on the throne and he will sit on the throne forever. Our feelings don't change who he is. Our feelings don't change what he can do. Our feelings don't change anything about him. We do. And then what what happens is with our feelings, what we'll do is, is we'll go, okay, well, I'm not feeling this right now. So God, you just get off the throne for a while and let me get on. I'll fix my husband. I'll fix those kids. I'll fix my boss. So we've taken him off the throne and we put ourselves on and try to fix it, manipulate it, or whatever it is we try to do until we've worn ourselves out and go, well, I guess I'm just going to have to pray about it. 
And then we have the audacity to shake our fist at God and go, well, you're just not taking the care of this. And God's saying, wait, listen, you told me to get off the throne. You're taking care of it. And then when you invite him in, God, please forgive me. I've been doing this all on my own strength, all on my own power. God, could you step in, please? And when we ask him to step in, as I said, everything changes. Our lives change, our marriages change, and I've seen, I've been married 44 years to the same guy. Murder a couple of times I thought about, divorce, no, but, and then lie to God later. But I've seen him change my children, I've seen him change my marriage, I've seen him change my life. And I know what he can do. So I've learned over the years to step back and let him be seated on the throne of my life, go to him first, and ask him, God, what it is that you want me to do. And step back and let him handle it. Because sometimes the way that he does it is not the way I would have done it. And I have told him a few times, God, I don't think I would have done it that way. You know, if you, or, uh, you know, because his ways are not my ways. He's God, you guys. He's God. He's Jesus Christ. He's God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His thoughts are for eternal purposes, and we are consumed with our daily destiny. When he's got a plan far greater than any of us could see in our natural eye. And it's unfortunate that we are tied down to this natural earth. We, that's where we live every day, and God understands that. He understands your questions. He can handle it. He, can under, he understands your doubts. He can handle it. He can understand. He understands that we are natural women. And we struggle every day to fight for our belief system. And we do. I don't know about you, but there are days that I fight every day. I struggle, especially when I was going through treatment with chemotherapy. And I don't know if anyone in this room has ever had it, but I do not know how people do it without Christ. It takes you someplace you never want to go. And I would lay and call out for the mercy of God. And I didn't lie to the enemy. God must hate you. Look at where you are. You must have done something really bad. Look, because I had other people tell me that. Look at you. And I would just say, I would just call out and lay before God. I, I don't get this. God can handle that. I don't get this, God. I don't like this, God. I don't feel good right now, God. But I trust you. It's one of those nevertheless times. Maybe you're in a nevertheless time right now where it's like, God, I don't understand this. God, I'm not getting this. I don't like this. But nevertheless, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Because you are the one who can do everything that needs to be done in my life. Amen? So your feelings don't change who God is. We do. Hebrews 13.8, which is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. People change all the time, but Jesus never wakes up on the wrong side of the bed and decides he doesn't want to be your savior. He never wakes up one morning and decides he doesn't like you anymore, that he doesn't, that he doesn't want you to have an abundant life anymore, that he's not for you anymore, that he doesn't care about you anymore. He never wakes up. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. People change, family changes, you change, our clothes size changes, everything changes, but Jesus is not. He's the same. And I just love that because of the background that I come from. People changed on me all the time. You can't trust anybody. You don't know if you're going to be alive the next day, but Jesus is the same. 
And when I met Jesus Christ and knew that he was the same, and I've proved it out. It's been 45 years that I've walked with the Lord, and he has never failed me yet. I've failed him a ton of times, but he has never failed me because his faithfulness is there forever and ever and ever. Amen? Another thing that is is that... um, when we take God off the throne of our lives, it brings confusion, which can lead to unbelief. Or the answer didn't come from a prayer, how or when we wanted it. You know, I was recently listening to someone and they said, you know, you may be, you know, life didn't turn out the way you wanted it right now. You might be disappointed. You know, you've not, God didn't answer your prayers. And I thought, wait, hold a minute. God always answers our prayers. It's either yes, no, or wait. Usually the last two are the ones I don't like. I don't care for the no, and I really don't care for the wait. Because I like want it yesterday, and I want the answer like yesterday, and I want it like how I want it like yesterday. But no, God doesn't do He always answers prayer. And you have to know that this morning. I have to admit that there are times when life gets too tough for me, and I just want to give up. There are times in my life. Anybody else here? Time gets too tough for you. Life gets too tough for you. You just want, come on, somebody, come on, let's go, because you lie, you fry. (laughs) There you go. It's the truth. We go through it all the time. And there's times when with me, and I'm the baby, I'm kind of the baby firstborn. I was the baby girl, but I was the firstborn because my brother's um, six years older than I am. So I was kind of the boast. So when it got tough for me, I kind of whined and somebody took care of it for me. But now as a Christian, when, I, when it gets a little too tough and I start to whine, God doesn't readily take care of it as like I would want him to do it. But when those times happen, I am reminded that with God, nothing is impossible. And that through Christ, I can do all things. Girls, God calls us to live what I call the with or through God principle. In our eyes, in the natural eye, it may look or appear impossible. But with or through God, everything is possible. Nothing is impossible. I've seen it happen in my life. This last time when I had um, stage 3 cancer, in 1986, and I think I shared that when I was here before, I had cervical cancer and came out from day surgery, and they told my husband, get her household in order, Um, they all but handed him a shovel and said I would not live. That was 1986. My oncologist at that time, he calls me his miracle. God healed me, 1986. Uh, In the 1990s, um, Scott went through treatment for hepatitis C. I was first uh, tested and I was negative, and then I tested and it came back positive. And... um, I went to Mayo Clinic, which they test you for moon dust, and said, well, let's do, let's do another test that you've come up uh, positive. So did a test that came back, and it was negative. So they said, well, either you had it, the first test is accurate, but you either had it, and it cleared up itself, and I looked at them, and I said, you guys are going to know what I say. So I have a letter from Mayo Clinic that I was healed of hepatitis C. So I've had two dramatic healings in my life. But this last time, when I was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer, and I have learned this, I'm a Second Chronicle 714 girl. I go straight to God anymore. If that's the one thing that I've learned, is God is first. Ask him 
first. Now, there's going to be a freak out. Of course, when anybody hears that diagnosis, you hear you have cancer, you hear that you have any kind of uh, disease that could be fatal. The emotions, there's those feelings. So it kind of reeled me, knocked me for a little while. I thought, oh, wait a minute, I got to talk to God. God, we got to talk about this. I need to know what is going on. Ladies, do that first. Don't do it last. Don't try to fix it all. Don't try to manipulate it all. Don't, you, can, you can have the emotions. God gave them to us, but go to him. Ask him. He will answer. He will show you. So I got alone with the Lord. I told Scott, I got to get alone. I've, gotta, I've just got to get myself settled down here. And the Lord spoke to me out of Psalm 57. He said, you will be my shelter. You will be my hiding place. I will cover you with my wings until these calamities pass you by. So I knew the journey that I was on at that moment. And through the whole time, I've got to say, he never forsake me. He was always with me. I had, through one of the most difficult times in my life, I've got to tell you guys, I had one of the most amazing times of my life. I'll be honest with you, it was very difficult. Difficult's not even in a word you can even say as far as physically, even afterwards, all this going, I was telling Rhonda, I said, most of the times I kind of stick to my notes, but I met the most amazing women. I, ha I sh saw God's hand unfold to me every time, even chemotherapy, the people that I met there. I still have friends that work there with no hair. I didn't wear a wig because they bugged me. I wore a hat when it was cold. But women sought me out to tell me their stories about how God had been good to them. Out of nowhere, I'd be someplace and here comes somebody to talk to me. God, I met the most amazing people. I had the most amazing time. God led me to all the right doctors. Not to say that it was fun while I went through it, but if you go to God, he will tell you. He will show you. It's God first always, you guys, because what looks impossible in the natural eye is not impossible with God. It's the with and through God, because gals, with and through God, there is no illness he cannot heal. There's no need he cannot meet. There's no problem he cannot solve, and there's not one person he cannot deliver or save. If you have a person right now in your life that you are believing God for, and I do, that you're asking God to save, to change, to transform, nothing is too hard for our God. Nothing is impossible with our God. Maybe a few of you this morning need to write that on a piece of paper out of Scripture. It's in Genesis, and it's in Jeremiah. Nothing is impossible. Jesus said it. You guys, listen. With you, it's, it's what looks to you, it's, it's impossible. But with me, nothing is impossible. He told his disciples that. Maybe some of you need to write that on a card and put it everywhere and read it every day. God, nothing is impossible with you. 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 I feel in my heart that there's some of you that really just need to have that be a word explode in your heart today. And not just words that you're hearing. You need to truly know that nothing is impossible with God. We live in crazy, perilous times. But gals, we need what I call, and I really wish I would have come up with this word, but I did not. But I love it. 
It's called Godfidence. And I just love it. So now when I, now when I read in the word, everywhere where it says confidence, I put on that Godfidence. Don't cast off your Godfidence. Oh man, I've got to cast off my own confidence because as I said, our feelings lie to us. I get nervous. I don't feel confident, um, especially after going through surgery. There are times that I don't feel, you know, sometimes you fight for your femininity and I struggle with how I look. You know, after I got a mastectomy, I went to my doctor. I said, what is this? <laughs> and she said, well, Nancy, I'm sorry. You can just see it now. I said, oh, oh okay, I get it. <laughs> But there are different things, so I don't cast off. I'm going to cast off my own confidence. I used to lean heavily on my own understanding. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, lean not on your own understanding. Whatever you're leaning on, is it your understanding? Is it your gifting? Is it your, is it your uh, character? Is it, well, me, I used to lean pretty heavily on my intellect. But now, the only person I can lean on is Jesus. And I'm telling you, I don't lean on, I throw myself on him. I don't just lean up because when you lean on something, that's what you stabilize yourself on. That's what you rest on. That's what you relax on. And I can't rest, relax on anything other than who he is. It's become so clear to me. It's become such a stability in my life. But it's what I call Godfidence, which means... To be fully persuaded, completely convinced, convinced, convinced to the core, solid rock certain that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. And you may be thinking, because I have the mic in my hand, that's easy for you to say, Nancy, and I've just shared a couple of things with you that are not. The stage three cancer, I've had prodigal children. I've had struggles and challenges in my marriage. I'm just like you guys. I mean, just because I'm up here communicating doesn't mean that I'm any different than you. I had to get dressed here. I brushed my teeth, did my hair this morning, made sure there was no holes in the back, um, get my nails done. You know, I have the same struggles, the same challenges as every day. It's just that God has given me the opportunity, as I said, the privilege to share who he is. Because as I said before, if, if you guys can know my God, if you can know my Jesus, and it's available for everybody, it's not just available to the person that stands on the platform. It's available to every single one of you. And he wants to be your God. And he wants to be your Jesus. You know, we initially choose a God life when we ask Jesus into our lives to become our Savior. And this morning, if you've not made that decision, we can change that. But salvation is just the beginning. There's more. As I said, when Jesus steps into our lives, everything he is comes with him. In John 4, Jesus told the woman at the well, if you only knew who it is that you're talking to. Ladies, this morning, if you only knew the Jesus Christ, if you only knew the power that lives inside of us. I cannot naturally explain it. I just can't. But I know supernaturally that Jesus lives in the heart of every believer. I just think that's really cool. That his Holy Spirit is coming to dwell. That we are the temple, the living space, the place where the Holy Spirit comes to dwell. I don't get that. I don't know that. How that would happen. 
But that's one of those supernatural things that I cannot figure out in the natural, but I just know it's there. We are designed for power. He designed us. Every single woman in this room was designed, was created in the image of God. He made no mistakes. I used to think he made a mistake. Five foot nine, big girl, dark hair. My mouth is in the room before I get there. Um, I used to wish, oh God, why can't I just be those cute little, you know, like, yeah, Jesus loves you, and, you know, and all of that. No, no, he made me who I am. And I thought for years that he made a mistake until I realized he did not make a mistake. God created me who I am. Now, some of those things needed to be tempered, my language and this and that. I needed some behavior changes. But anyway, but I come to realize, God, this is the way that you made me. This is the way you made me. My desires, my giftings, my callings, my purposes, what I love, what I don't like, the food that I like, what I don't, that I never, I never meet a stranger. I always try to get to know somebody. I love people. And so I said, okay, God, use that to your fullest, whatever that is. I'll be a fool for you. Whatever that is, just use it. And ladies, when you get into that place where you just know who he's made you, and then just enjoy it. I mean, all the movements that are going on these days, like in the world, the Me Too movement, the Me whatever movement, the Me, you know, and I think those are wonderful. Those are true. I don't want to put that down. But the fact of the matter is, is that we are women of God. And that distinguishes us. That sets us apart. We are not of this world. We are in it. Amen? Amen? Oh, thank you. I'm glad you're with me. <laughs> We are created in his image, and we were designed for his Holy Spirit power. I just thought about it, the power um, that we have that really would. You know that when you think about it, too, we have resurrection power that lives inside of us. That, raised, that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. I, you know, I, that just kind of blows my mind. It's like me and my little car. I have a little Jetta. I used to have a little yellow beetle. I want a red one. But we used to have a little one until my grandsons came to me one day and said, Nona, you know, we're getting a little bit too tall to sit in the back of this car. So, of course, like a good Nona grandmother, I got a bigger car. So I have a Jetta, and my Jetta has TSI. Now, I don't know what that is, but I just know that I love it. Because, listen, it goes from zero to 80 like, well, shouldn't say it. it goes from zero to 60 like that I mean I can pass I can pass anything standing still and I'll go see ya and I'm around those big trucks and but I love it I don't know how it works and that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit in us we don't know how it works it dwells in there it's in there but it's got the power that we need for everyday life. It's got the power to get you through the everyday challenges. It's got the power that you need to go forward to get you unstuck. It's that Holy Ghost power. You know, I think sometimes when our lives become just good, ordinary, not extraordinary, nothing's happening, routine, maybe we're bored, I don't know what the deal is. I think it's because we've opened up the back door and we've ushered the Holy Spirit out. But when you say, Holy Spirit, I want to live a God life. I want you to use me. Whatever that is, you may not be a talker. But maybe you're a baker. Whatever that is, use what it is that you've given me, Lord. And let that Holy Spirit use you in your life. And that power is available to us every nanosecond of the day. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalms 
This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Each day I declare that this is the day the Lord has made. And my choice is to rejoice. Whatever's happening is. My choice, my choice, my choice is to rejoice and be glad in it. Because rejoice in this scripture is translated to shout victory. So every day we make a God choice to shout victory over our day. This is the day that you have made, God. Today is the day you've made. And I'm going to shout victory over today. No matter what's going on in my life, I choose to shout your victory over this day. You know, I wake up very early in the morning and I start to pray before my feet hit the floor. I don't say that braggadociously. My heart goes out to those that struggle in prayer. I don't. It's, I, I've been grateful to the Lord. I count it as a gift from Him. Because if I'm quiet or if I'm not talking or if I'm driving or whatever it is I'm doing, I immediately start talking to the Lord. It's just something that, and I am so grateful for that. And I'll start praying before I get out of bed. And it used to be I would wake up and ask the Lord that day for everything I needed. Lord, I need your strength today. I need your wisdom today. I need, need your patience today so I don't kill my children or my husband. I need you, you know, when I go into work today. I need you. Lord, I need this money. I need this bill paid. Lord, I need something. This is I need, I need, I need, I need. And that's nothing wrong with that. Except for God already knows what you need before you even ask him. Now that has switched, that now I declare who he is over my day. Instead of waking up and having my laundry list of all my needs, I wake up and declare who he is. I say, Lord, you are my wisdom. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my provider. Lord, you are my restorer. Lord, you are my health. Lord, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are. And that changed how I shouted victory over the day because I started to say, it's not a name it and claim it thing. It's declaring who he is over that. And what that does is lift up his name above every other name. Lord, you are my sound mind. Lord, you are the strength of my bones. Lord, you fill my mouth with goodness and joy. I declare who he is over the day. So I'm shouting victory over the day. And let me just throw this in quickly. There's a scripture that I love, and it's out of Isaiah 6.1. This isn't my notes. I'll just share it with you because this is how I came to be shouting the victory over my day. Scott and I, you know, are, um, he has his office, and then I have what I call the goffice, which is the guest room office, and that's where I go every morning and have my first cup of coffee because the best part of waking up is Starbucks in my cup. And so I kind of groggily sit there. And so I started reading in Isaiah 6.1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And at that point in my life, I felt like there was some stuff in my life that was dying. And I was grieving over it. I was mourning over it. And the Lord brought me to the scripture so I could see. The Lord said, what was, it, what was Isaiah's perspective when that was dying? King Uzziah didn't say it was his best friend. It didn't say who, what his relationship was with him. But it was death. Something was dying. But the perspective was, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His name is above every name. 
He is above everything. He is on the throne. He is creator. But then I went to, and his train fills the temple. So Scott's across the hall, and I go, Scott, like a good Italian woman, Scott, yes. <laughs> Have you ever done a study on the train filling the temple? No. Okay, thank you. So I start a study. And this is what I found out, which I thought was way cool. And you guys, please remember this. When a king would go and conquer any nation, he would tear off a piece of the robe of the conquered king and sew it onto his. Are you getting it? Which means every nation has been conquered by our Lord including the sting of death. He has sewed it onto his robe. It proves that he is God, king, conqueror, victor. He wears a victor's crown, and that's why it fills the temple, because he's conquered everything. He's conquered cancer. He's conquered depression. He's conquered divorce. He's conquered lack of anything. He's conquered it all, and that's why his robe can fill the temple. And man, I'm telling you, if that doesn't make you want to grab your hanky and run around, I don't know what. He's done it all. It is finished. Amen. I just love that. Okay, that was extra. <clears throat> My daily declaration is, I'm not giving up on my life, my health, my marriage, my children, my grandchildren, my purpose, my calling. I'm not giving up because I am an overcomer. I am not a survivor, and the creator of the universe lives in me. Now, ladies, that's my daily declaration. I pray you get one of your own. Not just one that somebody else has got that you've gotten out of somebody else's book or somebody else's declaration. Ask the Lord to give you your own. And then every day declare who he is over that, over your life. Declare that. Declare who he is. Not one you got on the side of your fridge. It will change your day from being a good day to a God day. You know, I recently saw a commercial, and the hook line is, there's a better you in you. I think it's for the Nike watch. And I started thinking, the better me in me is the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, one time I was in a meeting and got up and a guy got up and said, I want you to be the best version of yourself. And I thought, wow, I don't want to be a version of myself because I'm supposed to be being changed into Christ's image. That's who I want to be. And I don't mean being a little Jesus. I'm not going to grow a beard, although I just get waxed before I came up here. But because you know why Italian men grow mustaches so they can look like their mothers. Okay. <laughs> I want to be the best version of Jesus Christ that he created me to be. Because greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in you than anything else the world has to give us. Any little cliche. It's because Jesus Christ lives in you. And choosing a life, and I want to close with this. It's not time to let's pray, but <laughs> I want to close with this. Choosing a life, a God life, will demand a change. When he steps into your life, we already said everything in the room changes. Everything in your life changes. It's true that Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. He does. Jesus loves you. And this morning, I pray that you can say, Jesus loves me with confidence, not with the confidence not with a natural feeling, not like if you're just feeling good. You know, I look good today. My hair looks good today. Oh, yeah, I'm the weight I want to be. Oh, yeah, I got the car. Oh, yeah, my kids are everything. Oh, everything's good today, so he must really love me. No, with confidence, truly persuaded that he loves you.
You know, Paul pleaded with the church in Ephesians to say, listen, you guys, I just want you to know the length of it, the width of it, the height of it, the depth of it. I just want you to get how much Jesus loves you. Just how much. And I've often wondered, especially as women, when I go to, to quite a few women's meetings, and it's all, and forgive me, we absolutely need it. But they're constantly having to pump us up. You're wonderful. God loves you. You know, you're just the best thing. You're the apple of his eye. But can we finally get it that Jesus loves you? Because once you finally get it, it will change your life forever. Has nothing to do with what you think, what's happening, how you feel. He loves you. You know, I'm I come from a background of divorce. My parents had multiple divorces. I come from abandonment and extreme rejection. So when I got married to Scott, both of us started below zero. Scott comes from an extremely abused background. Um, I do as well. But once I finally realized that Scott loved me, that he was not going anywhere, no matter how many times I put him out and he came back, he was not going anywhere, that he really loved me, when I came to realize that Scott really loves me, he loves me no matter what I look, you know, you guys, I got to say this, even with the changes that have gone on with my body, my husband still whistles at me. He still says, you're the best girl in the whole wide world. You're just beautiful. He still comes by and is affectionate and loves and cares. That's my husband. He loves me no matter how scary I am. <laughs> he truly loves me. But once I figured that out, it changed everything. Changed the way I talked to him. Changed the way I approached him. Changed the way how I wanted to serve him. Once you know that somebody loves you, most women, and I don't know, if, but I'm the same way, you want to give everything. You want to cook the best meal. You want to buy him little presents. You, you just want to do what pleases them. And it's the same way with the Lord. If you could finally get it, ladies, that he loves you. Nothing you can do, beg, will change his love for you today. I remember I have a friend that she was my mentor, and now she's with Jesus. That's just not nice. But anyway, she is. But she used to say, nothing more you can do today is going to make Jesus love you anymore. Because I was taught it was all about what we did. It's all about what we did for him, but it's about relationship. He loves you. And as I said, he loves you just the way you are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. Settle it once and for all in your hearts. But I don't believe that you can meet the Jesus of the Bible and stay the same. There's always a transformation. There's always a change. Because we're talking about a God life. We're talking about more of who he is. So this morning, maybe you would consider enlarging the place of your life to receive more of him. And um, Rhonda and I have been talking about downsizing, and I asked her if she had an Instant Pot, because somebody just gave me an Instant Pot. We were talking about that on, have we ever used it? Well, Michelle said she only used hers twice, so I'm not thinking I'm going to be really impressed with this Instant Pot that I have, but... She said, I don't know where I, you know, where I put it in the cabinets. And it's the same way at my house. My, our place is so tiny now, you know, I got a Starbucks collection that I've had to move stuff out to keep my Starbucks cups in. But it's the truth. Sometimes if you want to bring anything or more of in, you got to clear something out. And gals, Jesus will step right into the clutter of your life. 
and, and show you what that is. Lord, what do I need to remove? What do I need to let go of to make more room for you? What needs to go? Hebrews 12, 1b says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Let's get rid of everything, you guys, that slows down your walk, that trips you up. Is it your feelings? Do I need to let go of my feelings, God? Do I need to let go of the control and surrender my independence? That's one big one for me. Do I need to let go of the offense, let go of the disappointment, let go of the rejection, let go of the abuse, let go? You fill in the blank this morning, you guys, what it is. What it is that you need to clear out to make more room for Jesus. And stand back and look at what the Lord will do. I'm serious. There's something on your heart this morning that you need to let go of. God, I'm sorry. I just need to let that go and let you take care of it. And then stand back. Take your hands off of it. Take your mouth out of it. Take those looks off your face. And then step back and see what Jesus will do. It will amaze you. It will amaze you. It's the with and through God principle. Because nothing is impossible with God. Jesus never asks us to give anything that he doesn't return with more of who he is. Jesus has never come and asked me to surrender anything to him that he did not return not return it to me, not better and improved, but with more that looked like him, more of who he is. A God life will bring change, and with change comes growth. And listen, you can't grow without change. Just the name of your group, Flourish, defines growth. Because it means to grow luxuriously, to thrive, to prosper, to succeed. Now that sounds like a God life. Christian discipleship is all about change. It's all about transformation and growth. The Christian life is all one of constant growth, constant learning, constant transformation. It never changes. I'm 66 years old, 45 years old in the Lord, and God still comes and shows me changes that I need to make in my life. You should have gasped at that moment that when I said my age, it should have been like, I didn't think you were that old. Thanks, you guys. (laughs) I'll give you another minute. Okay, I'm 66 years old. Oh, thank you. And he still comes to me and shows me areas in my life that he wants to transform to be, look more like who he is. The challenge is that some are willing to take Jesus as their Savior, but not willing to take them as their Lord. We're willing to take Christ as our friend, but not as our God. As a resort, some of us are stalled, stuck, stagnant, paralyzed, and still act like babies. Growth means stretching. Growth means stretching. And uh, Scott always says, blessed are the flexible, for they won't get bent out of shape. And forgive me this morning, but maybe some of us just need to grow up in some areas. A God life will give you his heart, his eyes, his hands, and his feet. And I cannot talk about having a God life without talking about giving his life to others. Getting out of your life and getting into somebody else's. We can let the big, the more, the supersized attitude of our times discourage us from the everyday. And as I said, I'm an everyday girl. This isn't my normal life. My normal life is the same place as yours. It's either in the nail salon, it's at the gym, it's at the store, it's out on the street. It's wherever I am, I take Christ in me, that hope, to a world that so desperately needs it. 
You guys, the Jesus in you, whether however big or small you think that it is, there is somebody waiting for the Jesus in you out there. There's a child that is waiting for the Jesus in you out there. There's somebody, there's a friend that is waiting for the Jesus in you out there. When I go to get my nails done, they look pretty scary right now because I just had them all taken off. And the nail tech is, whoever it is, if they're touching my hands or if somebody's doing my hair, I start to pray for them. Lord, I pray that your spirit will touch their lives. Give me an open door to share who you are with them, whatever that is. Sometimes, and I've been places that most of the times I like to get to know the server at the table, but if I don't have that opportunity to do, what I do is I show it through either giving them a larger tip and then they then or being kind and they'll I'm telling you kindness you guys and you all know this because you guys are just sweet I just the when I've come in you guys are so friendly you're so open but kindness alone makes somebody stop and go there's something different about that person who is that person what makes that person smile what makes that person so kind what makes that person so generous it's Jesus in us that does that there's somebody waiting just for that as I said, it's as simple as a smile, an encouraging word, a ride, a sandwich, a dollar, a hug, or a prayer. I have never had anyone, even when I've been in the dressing room at Macy's, that would turn down prayer. May I pray for you today? Met a woman in Orange County when we were um, just we were just there. Uh, got off the plane. No, I'm sorry, Colorado. I forgot where I was. Anyway, Colorado, and I noticed that she had on a compression sleeve, which immediately tells me some type of breast cancer. I went right up to her and we'd kind of joked about a couple of things and I said, hey, I know you have a sleeve on. And so she told me she has stage four breast cancer and it's just returned. This is the third time. And I said to her, what is your name? Linda, Linda, I'm going to put you on my prayer list. But before we left there, I had her email address, was able to pray with her and told her I was going to put her on my prayer list. Now that's because I'm open that way. You may not be that way. But no one I have ever met would turn down a prayer. Is there something I can pray for you today? And it kind of takes them back at first, and they don't know. To say, And you don't have to even sound like the Pope when you pray. You know, if you stop, uh, listen, I remember going into, and I'll hurry up with this, I remember going to a nail salon one time, and the gal that was doing my nails, she said, listen, one of the nail techs here, she's really struggling with suicidal thoughts. Would you pray with her? I said, well, I would love to pray with her. So we walked in in the room, and I didn't know, you know how, what she felt about the Lord. And I said, well, would you mind if I prayed for you this, this morning? She said, no. Well, all I had to do was say Jesus, and she went down in the spirit. And I'm thinking, oh, great. They're going to think I killed her. Or she's got customers out there, and here she, is, here she is on the floor. Now, that doesn't always happen, but all you have to do is say, Lord, help this person. Just pray your heart. You know what your heart is towards when you see someone who's broken and they're hurt. God, could you touch this hurting heart? It doesn't have to be all like religious or whatever. It just needs to be out of your heart to touch somebody's life. Well, the end of the story is I just got her up quickly. And so, and then the next time I went, they said, Nancy, I didn't even pray against suicidal talk, um, thoughts or depression. We came back. She ran up to me. She said, Nancy, I've not had I've not wanted to take my life since the last time you were here. That was it. All I did was say Jesus, because that's where the power is. Nothing I say, nothing I do, nothing in my hands, no trickery here, nothing up my sleeve. It's the power in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? 
Amen. Tell what Jesus has done in your life. And I have to say this. If you have nothing to share, then you're just living a good life. You're not living a God life. God gives us experiences wherever we go, whatever happens in our life. Sometimes I have to just clamp it shut because Christ has done so much in my life, and I just want everybody to know it. I want everybody to know who my God is. Girls, in the final analysis, God knows all. He does all things well. He's in charge. We are the clay. He is the potter. We are the disciples. He is the Lord. We are his sheep. He is the shepherd. We are the servants. He is the master. And that means we are to submit ourselves. We are to humble ourselves under his mighty hand and be willing to adjust our lives to his choices for us, to listen, to learn, to adapt to his leading wherever it may be, wherever he wants us to go, whether we're comfortable, happy, or healthy. This morning, Lauren, will you come as I close? That's a God life. So this morning, I really believe that Jesus is asking you and me kind of a choose you this day question. Do you want a good life, which is ordinary, limited to what we can do and what our feelings are, what we can see, feel, and touch? Or do you want a God life, which is extraordinary, a supernatural life filled every day in every way with who he is? It's our choice. It's our choice. Let's pray. Would you please close your eyes and and the reason why I say that is so you give your sister personal privacy. This morning, I don't want to take it for granted that everyone here has chosen a God life, that you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your Savior. And first and foremost, we need a Savior. We need a Savior. So this this morning after, as I've been speaking about a God life, you want to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and give you a God life. If that is you here today, would you please raise your hands? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Father, we just pray for this one now that's asked you to come into her heart, forgive her of her sins, to give her your life, a God life. Father, we know that you'll do that. You'll step into her life and bring everything that you are into her life this morning. We thank you for that. Another question. Maybe you've realized today that you are just living the good life, an ordinary life, not extraordinary, full of his power, full of the Holy Spirit. And you want to, this morning, say, God... I want to exchange the good for God today. Maybe a new, renewed commitment to your life with Him. If that's you today, may I see your hands. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. And heaven sees that. God, I pray for every woman that held up her hand that wants to exchange the good ordinary to the exceptional. To live life in abundance with you. I thank you for that. And then also, maybe you have a challenge that in the natural eye looks very impossible to you. And you need today to see 
an impossible God. You need to know that impossible God. You need to exchange your natural confidence to the Godfidence. You need the with God and through God. You need that to be shown in your life today. Is that you? May I see your hands? Yes. 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 Father, we declare over these lives that nothing is impossible with you. Nothing is impossible with you. Proverbs 14.1 says, A fool has said in their heart, there is no God. I don't call you a fool this morning, and neither does God, but it is foolishness, ladies, to think that God is not big enough for this impossible situation, for this impossible challenge in your life, whether it's health, whether it's finances, whether it's a husband, whether it's a child. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.